0: I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. This morning we'll be looking at verses 6 and 7. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verses 6 and 7 and if you don't have your Bible with you you can grab one of the pew Bibles there and it's page 140 in the pew Bible page 140 in the pew Bible and if you don't happen to have a Bible of your own then we do want to invite you to take that pew Bible with you and that's our gift to you so we want everybody to have a copy of God's Word so please take that and use that Deuteronomy chapter 5 verses 6 through 7 now uh, we have up here our our flag over here, and we we all in well no not these days, but uh, I remember when I was in school. Uh, back in the day, we we started the day off giving saying the pledge of allegiance. So I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible. Uh, my mind just went back, <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> With liberty and justice for all. That's great, man, awesome. Oh, it happens, I guess. But we say that pledge, right? And, and we're, not say, we're, we're not pledging allegiance to a piece of cloth, right? We're, we're pledging allegiance to America and, and the principles and the values upon which America is built. That's what we're pledging our allegiance to. We pledge allegiance to our nation Uh, because we want to to pledge our uh, loyalty to our country, our nation, which we love so much. Uh, When you think about allegiance, that word allegiance, allegiance is loyalty or commitment of a subordinate to a superior or of an individual to a group or cause. So it's when you pledge allegiance, you're pledging your loyalty, your commitment. In the case of America, you're pledging, pledging your loyalty your commitment to this nation to this country but as christians we don't just pledge our allegiance to our country more even more than that we pledge our allegiance to god and to his authority even above our nation right we pledge our allegiance to god to his kingdom because we're citizens of his kingdom first so our first allegiance our first allegiance must be to God and to God's sovereign authority over us and so today that's the the message the sermon in a sentence right the message today as we look at this first of ten commandments the the message here today is pledge allegiance to Yahweh's sovereign authority Pledge allegiance as God's children, as God's people, pledge allegiance to Yahweh's sovereign authority. And I use that word Yahweh for a purpose today. And so we'll talk about that more in a moment, but we want to be specific. We're pledging our allegiance to Yahweh's sovereign authority. Now, we're getting into the Ten Commandments as we're working through the book of Deuteronomy. We're getting into the Ten Commandments. This is the first of the Ten Commandments. But as we, we begin this study here, let's just take a moment to think about the Ten Commandments and what they are. The Ten Commandments we see here, there are general stipulations, right? They're general stipulations. They're not specific. They're very general. They're very general. They're, they're general principles, principles of morality, and we take these general principles and, and we use them to kind of govern our lives. Now, it's hard to kind of regulate general principles. They're, they're not meant for that. When we get into the specific principles, right, the, the specific stipulations, then we'll see some, uh, where, how we can regulate some of these things. But, but they are very, very general principles, and uh, they're, they're numbered, right? We have ten of them, and, and Moses points that out. These are ten words or ten commandments for us. Why are there ten of them and not eleven or twelve or seven? Why are there ten of them? Because we have ten fingers on our hands, right? God wants us to remember these, and so he uses this ten so that, hey, we can count them off, right? Right? He could probably add some more in there or he could have summed some of these up together, but he didn't. He used 10 of them so that we could memorize them. That's how important they are. We need to think about these. We need to put them in our memory and, and use that as a tool so that we can memorize these for our good. So they're numbered for memorization also, these Ten Commandments, they, they kind of serve as what we might call a Bill of rights. So in our constitution in America 's Constitution, we have the Bill of Rights, don't we? Uh, we have the, the right to the freedom of free speech, right with the right to free speech, uh, the right to practice our religious beliefs. We have that fundamental right. We have the right to keep and bear arms. Those are fundamental rights that are supposed to be protected in the bill of rights now here's the interesting thing when we think about the american constitution and our bill of rights they are all me focused aren't they i have the right to keep and bear arms i have the right to practice my religious beliefs i have the right to freedom of speech it's about me and my rights but god's bill of rights is other focused it is other focused you don't think about my rights, you think about God's rights and your neighbor's rights. That's the focus of God's bill of rights. Because you know what, if we as a people, as God's people, if we're focused on others, if we're focused on God and we're focused on our neighbor, we don't have to worry about our rights. Our rights will take of themselves right we god wants us to be other focused and so god's bill of rights focus on god number one that's the first four commandments and the ten commandments and then others second and that's the other commandments the other six commandments and so these are the bill of uh, our bill of rights but they are other focused now as we begin today we look at the first commandment and again the general principle here, of course, we know the first commandments, You shall have no other gods before me. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. But the general principle here, if we kind of put this on a positive note, if we kind of put this in a positive way, then the general principle here is to pledge our allegiance to Yahweh's sovereign authority. That's really what this is all about. So today I want us to consider... Three reasons to pledge allegiance to Yahweh's sovereign authority. Three reasons for us to pledge our allegiance to Yahweh's sovereign authority. So if you found your place there in Deuteronomy 5, 6, and 7, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of slavery you shall have no other gods before me let us pray heavenly father we thank you for this commandment we thank you for your holy inspired and inerrant word and lord we pray that today you would teach us and write this commandment on our hearts you've already written it on our hearts so your word says you have written these commandments on our hearts but lord teach us and don't just write them on our hearts but give us a heart willing to obey this commandment today let us understand it and see the reasons why we should obey this commandment teach us this commandment lord help us help us because lord we recognize even now that there have been times that we fail there are multiple times every day that we fail to keep this commandment but lord help this commandment drive us to jesus that we might proclaim the perfect righteousness that he has provided for us lord teach us today i pray in christ's name i pray amen you may be seated So as we we look at this, and we're going to see more about how this connects to God's authority uh, as we, we go through this. But the first reason to pledge allegiance to Yahweh's sovereign authority is because Yahweh is your God. Yahweh is your God. Now, when I pledge allegiance to America, I pledge allegiance to America because America is my country, right? When you pledge allegiance to America, you pledge allegiance because America is your country. Now, I don't pledge allegiance to NATO. I don't pledge allegiance to, to, to some other country, nor do I expect some other uh, person from another country to pledge allegiance to america right they need to pledge allegiance to their own country but i pledge allegiance to america because america is my country and the same thing can be said of my allegiance to yahweh i pledge allegiance to yahweh because yahweh is my god and we need to see that in our text It, it it points this out that we pledge our allegiance to yahweh specifically we pledge our allegiance to Yahweh specifically, and we see that here in that first little, little, little phrase there, I am Yahweh your God. Now, of course, I know in our English translations, you see it there, it's Lord in all capitals, and we've talked about that many times in the past, but uh, Yahweh, when you see the word in all capital letters, see the word Lord in all capital letters in the English Bible, that is in the place of the proper name of God. And if you transliterate that name, if you look at the Hebrew and just pronounce the Hebrew, you might pronounce that name Yahweh. We tend to say Lord because of the, the Hebrew tradition that we don't want to take the Lord's name in vain. We don't want to take his name lightly, so we just go on with Lord. But uh, the, the name there is the proper name of God. It's Yahweh, and so that's why I'm, I'm using that name today. I don't typically do that, but we need, to fo- we need to know what God we're talking about here. Because in our culture, in our time, there are many gods. Just like there were many gods in Moses' day. We see more and more arising in America. And there was a time in America where we could talk more, you know, when we talked about God, we could, uh, most people understood what god we were talking about but we need to be specific it's not just any god it's not just any god this is yahweh yahweh specifically this is the god of the bible the god of scripture this is the god of abraham isaac and jacob this is the god who met moses there on the mountain and says i am who i am this is Yahweh. This is the God who in former times and in former days he, he spoke to His people through the prophets, but in these latter days He has spoken to His people through Jesus Christ, His own Son. We're talking about Yahweh who became, took on human flesh and was born to a, a virgin woman and, and became Jesus Christ. Right? We're talking about Yahweh, the God of the Bible. We're not talking about... Uh, Uh, Allah we're not talking about the Hindu gods we're not talking about Buddha because if you just say God well that can be any God out there and there's many in this culture today no no we're talking about Yahweh we're talking about the God of the Bible you see this text here we, we look at the text here the main focus here is not to say that there's only one God now we see that in other texts, right? We see monotheism monotheism argued many other places in the Bible, but, but that's not the argument here. But what we see here, what we see arguing here is, is the about worship and and authority, allegiance to the authority of one God, the one God, Yahweh, the God of the Bible. And so we have to be very, very specific. As one commentator notes, it is sometimes alleged that if there is only one God in reality, so if we're just talking about monotheism, if there's only one God in reality, then whatever people worship must be or represent that God. This is the kind of twisted logic that underlies the ideology of pluralism in debate over world religions such a view requires a concept of god that is so abstract that even though it is grammatically singular it can accommodate any number of faces and we see that in our our world in our culture today here in america we see that you see it all over the place Right. Well. Well. You know, they're they're just worshiping God in their own way. Right. Allah is is, is how the there's one God, and, and so hey, the world is fine with one God. All right one God, you, you worship him as Yahweh. But, but you know, over here, the, those guys, they worship him as Allah. And, and these guys over here, they worship him as Buddha. And, and these guys over here worship him as Christian or whatever, right? And, and all of these, they're all, everybody's just worshiping the same God. And, and so why do you have to be so exclusive? Because Scripture says we pledge our allegiance to one God, Yahweh, the God of the Bible. We give our allegiance to no other. I don't care what Buddhists do. I don't care what Muslims do. I am devoted to Yahweh. And we pledge our allegiance to Yahweh specifically. And the world doesn't like that. The world doesn't like that. But you give yourself, you pledge your allegiance, give your allegiance to Yahweh specifically and Yahweh exclusively. Yahweh exclusively. I remember when we were in Bali several years ago, but uh, there, of course, the the primary religion in in Bali, on the island of Bali, is Hinduism. It's 98% Hindu. And so I, I noticed as we were going about and we went out into the community and, and saw different things and, and we would go into different shops and, and, you know, they had little figurines of Jesus all over the place. And, you know, the Hindu people, they have no problem with Jesus. It's all right if you have Jesus. Yeah, we'll take Jesus. We'll take Jesus, we'll, we'll just add him to our collection, right? Because in, in Hinduism, they have like 33 million, I think is what I saw, 33 million different gods. And, and so, yeah, we'll take your Jesus, we'll worship Jesus, we'll put him right up there beside Krishna, we'll put him right up there beside Buddha, we'll put him right up there beside all of our other gods, and we'll take him. And you see, that's the, what our culture wants us to do. Our culture wants Christians to just, just come on and get with the program. Right? Y'all, y'all don't have this thing exclusive? Why y'all got to be so exclusive? Why don't y'all include all of these other gods? Why don't you just let all these other gods in and, and, and just blend together? Coexist. You've seen those bumper stickers, right? Just coexist. No, no, no. No, 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 we pledge our allegiance to Yahweh specifically and exclusively. He is our only God. And we give allegiance to no one else. Yahweh is my God. If you believe in Jesus Christ, Yahweh is your God. And you can give your allegiance to no other. So pledge your allegiance to Yahweh because Yahweh specifically is your God exclusively. Second, Yahweh is loving Savior. Yahweh is loving Savior. He's your loving Savior. Now I remember back when I was a teenager, Daddy bought, us a, bought a new little filly, two-year-old filly, Colt. And uh, brought her in, and this this colt hadn't been messed with much. The owner who had her just kind of let her run out in the pasture with other field uh, uh, other horses there, so uh, she wasn't really used to a whole lot of human contact. A little bit, but but not much, and so she was a little bit skittish around human beings. And so when we got her to the house, well, well, the first thing we had to do we had to build trust with her, right? We had to build some trust with her. We had to get her used to human contact and. And to, to, you know, kind of understand that we weren't there to hurt her and, and that sort of thing. And so the first thing we did, we, we brought her into the barn and we, we named her Thumper because she could flat-footed just jump right out of the stall in the barn. And uh, so we had to add some boards to the top of the stall to keep her in. So her name was Thumper. But we brought Thumper into the barn. We put her in a stall and every day I would go out there and I would feed Thumper, right? And at first, I'd pour th- feet in her trough there, and I'd just sit there on the other side of the, the, the uh, wall there, the, the fence there, and I'd just pet her, right? I'd pet her head, talk to her. Yeah, you, good old girl, yeah, yeah, just talk to her, being real gentle. Well, a few days of that, I was finally able to crawl into the stall with her and, and got my brush, and I'd talk to her and brush her, brush her down, and, and she got used to that, and eventually, you know, began to build trust with her. She trusted me more and more and more, and eventually I got to bring her out of the stall and, and lead her around. And, and ultimately, right, the ultimate goal there was to be able to ride her, and ultimately we got to ride her because we built that trust. She got there, and she didn't trust us. There was no trust. She didn't understand that, we, that I loved her and wanted to care for her. I had to show her that love. That love. And when I showed her love, then she began to trust me. But you know what? We need to have that with God, don't we? And God understands that. Now, God has every right to demand that we worship him straight out. He's our creator and sustainer, and he has a right to be worshipped, period. But he doesn't come at us like that. How does God come at us? He comes at us with grace and love and mercy he comes at us as our savior and that's how he came to israel he came to israel as her savior notice again in our text i am the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of slavery he came to israel He pursued Israel. And we've talked about this a little bit already. But he pursued Israel. He loved Israel. He showed his love towards Israel. And he built trust with Israel. And once he built trust with Israel, he said, now here's my law. Now here's my law. Now that you see I love you and I want what's best for you, now here is my law. Obey me. you know what he does the same thing for us he does the exact same thing for us he shows us his love and his mercy and his kindness and his goodness towards us because Yahweh saved us he didn't just save Israel back there in the in the exodus he saved us Romans 5, 8, but God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, while we wanted to do, have nothing to do with God, God showed His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. He gave His life for us. Jesus says, John 15, 13, 14, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down His life for His friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Christ laid down His life for us. God gave His own Son for us. He died for us. How greater love. then that Christ would die for us. Give his own life to save us from slavery to sin and death. Oh, we should trust God. We should trust God because he has saved us. With such a great love, he has saved us. We can trust God. God wants what's best for us. He demonstrated that, right? Yahweh has demonstrated His unfailing love for you by delivering you from slavery to sin through the death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. So pledge your allegiance to Yahweh because He is your loving Savior. Yahweh loved you and gave Himself for you. You know, some people look at God's law and they think, well, that's just oppressive. God's law is oppressive. It's just trying to keep you down. It's trying to oppress you and keep you down. And, and, you know, one of the big ones here is thou shalt not commit adultery because that's not just about adultery. Thou shalt not commit adultery is really more about, about purity, remaining pure. In this case, sexual purity And a lot of people today, especially in the midst of this sexual revolution that we're in, they they look at that and say, that's oppressive. God's just trying to keep you down and oppress you. Keep you from experiencing your fullness, right? And so God's word is oppressive, but it's not oppressive. God's shown his love for you. He shows that he loves you and wants what's best for you by sending his son to die for you. This is not oppressive. God's not being oppressive. God loves you. He wants the best for you. And he says, this, my law, that's what's best for you. Right? I created you. God says, I created you. (laughs) I gave you your very being. If I created you and I died for you, then don't you think I want what's best for you. So thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt be sexually pure. That's for your good. So you you want to experience the blessings of God? You want to fully experience the goodness of God? Then do life God's way. Do life God's way. Follow his commandments. And it will work out better for you. Right? Don't follow man's way. Don't do it man's way. Don't do it your way. Do it God's way. Like, you want a happy, blessed marriage? Do marriage God's way. The world's way says, well, why don't you just try it out first? Right? The world says, why don't you just try it out first? Don't, don't, don't get married because, you know, divorce is so, so you know, it's, it's high rate of divorce. and do it, do it the world's way. Kind of move in, try out the relationship for a while, and, and you know, if, if things don't work out, then you just kind of part your ways. That's the world's way. By the way... And I know some people say, well, that, those statistics don't work out. Yes, they do. Statistically speaking, those who cohabitate before marriage end up with a higher divorce rate than those who do it God's way. See, that's the world's way. God's way, God says that a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Not his girlfriend. Not his fiance. A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And then when they become husband and wife, then they become one flesh. And God says, I'll bless that. I'll bless that. Now maybe you've, experience the other maybe you've kind of did things man's way and that's all right because jesus died to redeem your mess up it's okay god will redeem that you tried man's way and maybe you understand that man's way was the wrong way and maybe you need to repent from that and you need to turn to god and say god messed up but I want to do it your way it's not too late it's never too late turn to God repent and give it to him and he will redeem that relationship and do it God's way if you want a happy marriage do marriage God's way you want good godly kids raise them God's way raise them God's way The world says that you go out and you just kind of do your own thing. And, and hey, if you make it in on Sunday here and there, well, good and great. But, but, you know, you don't have to be in church every Sunday. But God says you talk to your children day and night about God, right? As a parent, you talk to your children day and night about God. You, You explain Who God is and what he has done. And and you talk to them about Jesus. And you talk to them about God's way. Day in and day out. As you go here and there and yonder. As you go you talk to them about God. You bring them into the community of of Christ. And you, you raise them in that community called the church. You raise them in church. Surrounded by God's people. So that they understand who God is. And they have that foundation. Right? You teach them the way they shall go. And when they are old they will not depart from it. that's God's way the world says no you take them to to play baseball on Sunday instead of having them in church the world's way says no you just kind of weave a little bit of God in there if you want to but you don't really need God that's why we see so many kids once they get to to college get out of mom and daddy's house they're leaving the church the nons today are the number one religion in America. Those who have no religious affiliation, they're in the number one group in America. And they're growing. Generation Y and Z They're predominantly nuns. Why? Because mom and daddy took them to the baseball field instead of uh, to church. The world's activities were more important than God and his His church. And so the nuns are exploding. And nobody cares. People wonder why the church is shrinking. (laughs) You want godly children, children who who come up knowing Jesus Christ and and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, raise your children God's way. You want a, a successful business, do business God's way. Give your allegiance to God. Let his authority rule your life. Not seeing God's law as oppressive. But as God's loving grace poured out to you in full measure. God says, I love you. I want what's best for you. Follow me. Yahweh is your loving Savior. Trust Him and give your allegiance to His Authority. So pledge your allegiance to Yahweh because Yahweh is your God, your loving Savior. Third, pledge your allegiance to Yahweh because Yahweh is sovereign God. Yahweh is sovereign God. And now we get down to the main commandment here. Uh, verse 7: You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. What is that before mean? Because that's that's the that's an important word here. Before. Some people think that this has to do with priority, right? Put God first and everything else, and it kind of works out that way. But the primary focus here is that you'd have no other gods before God, no other gods in his presence, that you understand that God is sovereign, right? There's no other gods that have power to influence God whatsoever. We need to think about the worldview that Moses and the people of Israel have at this point in the, the exodus, right, as they're coming out of Egypt and going into the promised land. They were under the influence of a pagan worldview. Now, in paganism, and this is kind of pretty much the same across the board, paganism, there's a pluralistic kind of a, you know, there's a bunch of gods, right? There's multiple gods. And so there's all of these gods out there. There's, there's usually a head god, Kind of a main god The president of the gods or whatever And, and then there's all of his cohorts Right, He has a, a Council of cohorts that that uh, Rule and reign with him So when in paganism and, and we're most Familiar with Greek Greek Paganism so uh, let's just Let me use the, the Greek Paganism as an example here So in, in Greek paganism you have Zeus right he's kind of the head god The god of thunder and, and so If you you know you pray against the storms or whatever you pray to Zeus and so Zeus is the head god but but he's not alone right Zeus has all of these cohorts with him he has Hera his wife who is the the goddess of marriage so if you, you have a problem with marriage, you go to Hera. And then there's Poseidon, the god of the sea. So if you're a fisherman, you, you pray to Poseidon. And it, then there's Ares, the god of war, and Aphrodite, the god of love and fertility. So you have all of these gods, and they're over different parts of creation. And so you have, yeah, you might have that main god, Zeus, but then he has all of his cohorts, and the main god kind of has to depend on the, all these cohorts to, to be able to make sure Creation continues to flow and function as it needs to, to flow and function. And, and though they, they weren't, you know, they didn't have Zeus and Hera and all these others and when the, the Israelites came out of, of Egypt, there were other gods in Egypt, but, but that's kind of the same mentality. That's what they were coming out of, that kind of worldview. And, and God says, You'll have no other gods before me. There are no other gods in my counsel. I take counsel with no one. I am sovereign over all of creation. That's what God is saying here. Don't bring other gods into the picture. Don't bring other gods in the picture. No, no, you'll have no other gods before me because no other god is powerful before me. I am sovereign God. I am sovereign over my creation you have a problem in your marriage you come to me if you're a fisherman and you're going out to sea you come to me you have concerns about the weather you come to me because i am god over all creation that's what yahweh is saying yahweh is sovereign god you see this passage is not so much about monotheism we can argue that other places, and I'm going to read a verse here in a moment that we, we get that, but, but it's not so much about monotheism it is as it is about monolatry, worshiping, and giving your allegiance to one true God. This passage, in essence, it makes all other gods impotent before God. It makes all other gods impotent All other would-be gods that are out there, they are impotent before gods. There are no gods in God's counsel. God is sovereign over all things. You'll bring no one else before him. And this shows Yahweh that Yahweh is omnipotent. He is all-powerful God. You shall have no other gods. As one commentator says, while the the command does not explicitly deny the existence of other gods, it denies any, a share of his authority, power, or jurisdiction. It denies any other god out there that we might make up any share of God's authority, power, or jurisdiction. God is sovereign. Yahweh is sovereign over the whole of his creation. First Corinthians eight, four through six, therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, Paul says, We know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. For although there are many there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords. Yet for you there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Yahweh is sovereign God. Whatever you think might be out there that might offer more pleasure, more success, Greater fulfillment than Yahweh, it is impotent. It is impotent. God is sovereign. Yahweh is sovereign. The only hope for joy, the only hope for hope, the only hope for salvation. Is through Yahweh God who took on human flesh and became our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Yahweh is sovereign Yahweh is sovereign pledge allegiance to Yahweh because Yahweh is sovereign God all other so-called gods anything or anyone that you would exalt to a position of a god in your life is impotent before yahweh so pledge allegiance to yahweh because he is your god your savior and sovereign god over all of creation pledge your allegiance to yahweh's sovereign authority his authority over your life now now what does this mean what does this mean and we'll get into a lot of this more as we get into to chapter 6 of deuteronomy as we begin to look at yahweh's authority in our life but what does it mean for us it means that you allow every sphere of your life to be governed by yahweh's sovereign authority Every action, every thought, every emotion is governed by Yahweh's sovereign authority. No one or no thing should compete with God's sovereign authority in your life. No one, no thing. Not your spouse, not your boyfriend, Your girlfriend, not your job, no one, nor no thing, is to compete with Yahweh's sovereign authority over your life. Not even the United States government. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I don't care what President Biden says. I don't care what the U.S. uh, uh, Congress says. I don't care. Because Yahweh is supreme. And we better die defending Yahweh than rather obeying the the illegitimate, ungodly laws that our nation seems to want to impress upon us. Yahweh is our sovereign, supreme authority. And I don't care if it means I have to let go of my citizenship as an American. I will follow Yahweh. As much as I love my country, I will give her up because my first citizenship belongs to Yahweh, His nation. And you better be the same. Don't allow the nation, don't allow your friends, don't allow uh, the culture around us to define what you think, say, or do Yahweh better be your supreme authority. And surrender your allegiance to Yahweh. It's God's way or no way. That should be our attitude. That should be how we pursue this. So the question is for you, who, who or what is competing for your allegiance to Yahweh? Who or what is competing for your allegiance to Yahweh? Is it your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, some some other significant other, someone in your life? A boss? A job? A hobby? A substance? What is competing for your allegiance to Yahweh? Yahweh? Pledge your allegiance to Yahweh. And as New Testament Christians, that means we pledge our allegiance, because I want to be absolutely clear about this. We pledge our allegiance to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Yahweh in the flesh. Because in Jesus Christ, Yahweh took on human flesh. And he left his heavenly home, and he came to this earth, and he lived in perfect obedience, which we can never do, right? We can talk about uh, following the, our, giving our allegiance to Yahweh, but we're going to fail, right? We're not going to do that completely and perfectly. Only Jesus did that. And praise be to God, Jesus came, and he lived in perfect obedience to all of God's commandments, and he willingly went to Calvary's cross, and he died for us. So that when we fail to follow the Ten Commandments and all the other commandments of God, when we fail and we will and do fail, we can have forgiveness and salvation in Jesus. So as we pledge our allegiance to Yahweh's sovereign authority, we begin by pledging our allegiance to Jesus Christ, by surrendering to Him and giving our life over to Him. And you're sitting there, some of you are sitting there and you're thinking, man, I've messed up. I've messed up. I've sinned against God, in this thing or that thing or this other thing, I've sinned. It's okay. Because that's where our hope is, in Jesus. Let us never lose sight of that. As we're looking at God's law, let us never lose sight of there's forgiveness and redemption For every sin, for every offense against God's law, there is forgiveness and redemption in Jesus Christ. Turn to Jesus. Give your allegiance to Him today, and He will save you. He will redeem you. He will redeem your situation in life if you trust in Him. Oh, Heavenly Father. Lord we just confess today and each and every one of us know this is true that we, we just confess today that there have been and are times in our lives where we fail to submit to your sovereign authority over us. We delight in people and things of this world over you at times in our lives we just confess that and Lord we repent of that we thank you for Jesus who lived this commandment out fully for us in our place we thank you that every offense against this commandment that we've committed in our lives is redeemed in Jesus. And certainly, Lord, if there's those today who are in this place or are listening, who feel their sin, let them find redemption in Jesus Christ. But Lord, as your people, as your redeemed children, we pray that you would give us strength and a heart and a will to give our complete allegiance to your sovereign authority. Lord, let us not bend a knee to any other would-be God in this world. Lord help us to give complete allegiance to you it's by your strength that we will accomplish this so we look to you God now these things I pray in Christ's name Amen